Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together, shall we? As our campuses join us as well in the video and all the people online and those who watch us on television. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you all here today, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there on this glorious day. We have our uh, uh, local flying aces out here in the model airplane group that actually I'm a part of. Uh, I don't think I'm going to fly any planes today. I can barely keep the stupid thing in the air when the air is calm. So I was just talking to him, and I said, you still going to do this? He says, well, we may not be able to fly everything, but we're going for it. And these guys are really good. I mean, what they can do is disgusting. And uh, so, so, I mean, they're, they're really, really good at it, so it'll be fun. If nothing else, there's food. Hallelujah. So uh, we're excited about that. Uh, enjoy that. Um, Father's Day. I got this morning. My wife had a lovely Father's Day card for me and a little gift that encourages me to exercise more. Apparently, I'm not as slim as I should be. <laughs> you rat. All right, anyway. <laughs> Our Father's Day, something here about fathers. Okay, here we go. First King, the uh, second chapter, uh, we read about King David. Now, King David is on the verge of death. He's literally on his deathbed. And he calls for his son that he's passing everything over to. This is Solomon. He's given him everything, and this is one of the most, well, the most brilliant king in history and will ever be. This guy was truly amazing. Uh, the life of Solomon was something stunning. He, he was a little nuts in other ways too, but he was really smart. Uh, God gave him wisdom and there was nobody ever like him. And so he's getting ready to die and he comes and he has this final heart-to-heart -heart chat, dad to seceding son, and uh, so we read about it. It says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, referring to his death. And then he tells him two things. He says, be strong and act like a man. And that's what I want to talk about today on Father's Day. The big question I want to address today is, how do you turn a boy into a man? Now, virtually every culture in the world knows the truth I'm about to say. American culture has forgotten it. But virtually every culture in America used to understand it. But the one thing that turns a boy into a man is responsibility. Always has, always will. And primarily through two major life events, marriage and fatherhood. When a man stands before his family, his friends, and his God, looks at a woman and says, I do, and pledges himself to that woman. 
Every man who's ever done it will tell you something happens to him. It jerks the slack out of you. And it starts to have a very positive impact on the man. The truth is, all the studies have shown this. You take any two men, same race, same education, same everything. Uh, one is single and one is married. The married one always succeeds more than the single one. Studies have shown that married men are healthier. They are happier. They uh, earn more money. They succeed more in life. And they literally live years longer than single men. Statistically speaking, one of the most dangerous things a boy can do in America is remain single. They say it's the equivalent of smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Again, the worst thing is a single guy who smokes two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. It transforms men. It's a powerful thing. That is a major life event for a man. And the second one is when he holds that little wrinkled, screeching creature in his arm. And he becomes a father. It is a transformative moment. And every man will tell you something happens to him. And it changes him. Why is this important? Because motivation is extremely important for a man. The thing that helps a man to succeed is motivation. Uh, we try to motivate men. A lot of women try to motivate their husbands. But, uh, you know... They're not always very successful with it. When you start crossing a line where you start discouraging a man, uh, you'll never get him to succeed. You can pick at him all day long, and nothing's going to happen. Okay, now I get it. We need some of that just to take out the garbage. I get it. I, you know. <laughs> but when you cross that line from to criticism, and you make him feel like a loser, you will have removed the most important thing for a man, which is motivation. You strip motivation from a man, and he does not function well. Talk to any professional sports athlete or anyone involved in the sports field, and they'll tell you that one of the greatest and most important things for a man is to feel motivated. We're a football town here in lovely Green Bay, Wisconsin. I love, actually, I travel all over the world. I never have to say what state I'm from. Where are you from? Green Bay. Everybody knows who you are. Uh, it's totally awesome. It's, it's, and, and because of our football team, we're world-renowned, and we dig it. Thank God. If it weren't for football, all we'd have is cheese. All right, so... So, so we got football. Not just football. We got a great football team. Great franchise, most storied franchise in the history of the sport. We love it. Now, talk to football players. In, in the NFL, there's a great deal of parity, which is, means that there's a lot of evenness, which makes it really an interesting sport. Unlike baseball, where you can get one team just loaded with all the major talent and it kills everybody else because someone's got more money than the other ones. Uh, that's not true in football. Uh, there's virtually any two teams have pretty much the exact same amount of talent. Uh, on that team. And that's why they always say that on any given Sunday, any team can win. It's what makes it exciting to watch, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and a lot of fun. Uh, the thing that seems to make a difference in any important game always boils down to motivation. In fact, if you ever watch, and of course we all watch these games, and at the end you'll always hear the commentators say something like, well, today these guys just wanted it more. Okay, why is that? Because motivation is an extremely powerful thing 
in the life of a man. You motivate that man properly and he will succeed. If he doesn't, he won't rise as high as he possibly can. It is motivation that makes one man perform better than the other man. It is motivation that causes a man to sacrifice so that he can win. It is motivation that causes a man to pull himself to a higher level. That's why the big speech the coach gives before a game is always so important. That's why when you go watch these guy flicks, there's a moment somewhere where the guy motivates all the other guys with some stirring speech. Like when you watch the movie Braveheart and they're all marching certainly to a very destructive day. And he looks at his men and says, they may take our freedom. No, no, they may take our lives. But they'll never take our freedom. And all the guys go, oh, and all the guys in the theater go, oh, of course, we're just sitting in a theater, you know. But It's like uh, the movie Patton with uh, George C. Scott. Remember this movie? Classic movie, great movie. And I don't know if Cat Patton ever gave this actual speech. If not, he should have. But it was a great scene at the beginning of the movie when Patton is addressing these legions of soldiers. And he says to them at one point, he says, we did not ask you to lay down your lives for your country. We're asking you to make sure the other guy lays down his life for his country. It's like, yeah! You know, just these stirring moments in these films and it just, rah, makes these guys fired up to get ready and to go. Motivation. Determination, sacrifice, responsibility. This is what causes a boy to become a man. Now, sadly, our secular culture, when I say secular, I'm talking about the non-religious culture of America, which, truth is, is the predominant culture today. America used to be a predominantly Christian nation. It is no longer. It's just the fact. It's sad, but it's just the fact. Uh, now, we were founded on Christian principles and all those arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are not today a predominantly Christian nation. We are a predominantly secular nation. A nation that has given itself over to uh, hedonism and selfishness, narcissism. Uh, our secular culture today now gives our young men this advice and all of you parents this advice. That a boy should delay these key moments in his life for as long as possible. He should avoid getting married too early. He should avoid, even if he gets married, he should delay as long as possible after that becoming a father. And it is destructive, damaging advice. It is not age that turns a boy into a man. Let me say that again for all the moms out there listening. It is not age that turns a boy into a man. It is responsibility, primarily obtained through marriage and fatherhood. Thinking that if he just waits, 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 he will mature, but they do not mature. Or if they do, they mature very slowly. Now, I rant on this almost everywhere I go in the world. It irritates a whole lot of people. And I was just in Colorado Springs last weekend, and... I was speaking, and afterwards, this lady comes up to me with her son, still living at home with her, 39 years of age, still without a girlfriend even. And look, there might be guys like that listening to me right now. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to get you to man up. Get on with your life. 
This 39-year-old boy comes up to me. He's still a boy. I tell you, he had the feel, the look, and the aura of a 16-year-old boy. He was 39, but still had not matured, still had not been transformed. In fact, had a very uh, empowering mother who just empowered him to not grow up. He looked at me and said, you know, I, I, I guess I should get going. I said, how old are you? He said, 39. It shocked me because, again, he had the feel and the look of a 16-year-old boy. 39. I said, dude, you're half dead. <laughs> he looked at me and goes, well, well, well that's kind of depressing. <laughs> I said, you think? So I started yelling at the kid. <laughs> that's what I do. I yell at people. I'm nice about it, but I yell nonetheless. I said, dude, you're half dead. What are you doing? You don't even have a girlfriend. Good Lord, what is wrong with your generation? Clearly, you guys cannot add. I said, how long do you think you live? And he's just staring at me. I mean, I don't know what they're teaching kids in school today. I guess how to recycle. Is that what they're teaching you guys? You don't know how to add? Do you get the calculators? How long do you think you lived? You know most men in America today die before the age of 80. You're 40 years old. What, what are you doing? Get on with it. Goodness gracious. Now most of me listening to me right now are at least 20 years of age. Let me ask you a question. How fast did the last 20 years of your life go? Like that. You know how fast the next 20 is going to go? Like that. Do you know most of you listening to me will get four of those? Five if you're on a roll. <laughs> That's what we're pushing for. <laughs> I want to be 100 years old before I check out of here. You think I'm irritating now. You ought to hear me preach when I'm 98. Man, God. <laughs> I won't care about anything by that point. Hey, shut up. Listen to me. You know, I just... What are you going to do to me at 98, you know? I'd... God help us all. <laughs> but we have a culture today that has just fallen off the rails when it comes to men. You know, culture is a reflection of the values of the people in that culture. For thousands of years, virtually every culture in the world has advised men to marry early and to become fathers and to build their lives. Because those cultures believe that one of the worst things that could happen to a man is for him to become sexually immoral because then it tends to turn him into a self-centered narcissist. See, our secular culture now celebrates the thing that turns a boy into a man is when he gets laid. Oh, he's a man. Some of these fathers actually celebrate it. Yeah, he got, he got laid. He's a man. No, he's not a man. Man has sex before he gets married, it sears into his soul and he becomes a self-centered child for another 10, 15 years. It is destructive. Sending him off to spring break. And honestly, I'm speaking as a pastor to you, Christian. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're visiting, God bless you, good to have you. <laughs> but you, you send your kids to spring break? Are you crazy? Are you out of your minds? You're sending them off into a situation where there's going to be drinking and sex and insanity for a week? Oh, yeah, they're just having a good time. Really? 
God help us. Our great American culture comes from a culture that routinely encouraged men to marry early. For most of our, listen, chances are your parents married early. For sure, your grandparents did. And virtually from your grandparents back for thousands of years, they all did. The people who built this country routinely got married at 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age. But now we have a new timeline, but it's based on narcissism. Because now the most important thing in our secular culture is money and education. Money, 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 money. That's what we got to have. And they tell your kids, before you get married, you got to become financially secure. This from men who are still not financially secure. Most of you guys, listen, how many of you guys are financially secure? Good grief, I'm hitting 60 this year old. I'm still not financially secure. That's why I'm working today. <laughs> Father's Day, I should be on a boat or something, right? <laughs> Holding up this nonsense. Making an idol out of things that should not be an idol. It is not money that makes your life work. And it's not money that guarantees a successful marriage. Goodness gracious, no wonder so many people end up in divorce. As soon as they run out of money. And I promise you, at some point, we all run out of money. I don't know about y'all, but our financial lifeline has been like this. Right now we're here. I'm hoping we don't go back down. When there's a connection between the amount of money you have in your marriage, there's something wrong with you. There's no bearing on us. But what happens when you're broke? It's like our honeymoon. What does one have to do with it? It has nothing to do with it. But today it has everything to do with it because parents are pushing this on their kids. I cannot tell you how many Christian, Christian parents, mothers, who look at me and say to me, I would rather my son have sex before getting married too young. Why? Because they've been poisoned in their thinking by the secular. They bought into this extended timeline. In America... We have now 17 to 30, we expect young men to do nothing with their lives except maybe get an education, start making money. And it corrupts them. They become self-centered narcissists, sexually immoral. The conversations I've had with the boys in our church, okay? All you people watching by TV, you can relax for a minute. I'm just talking our church. Some of these boys, since before they could walk, were in church, hearing the word of God, being taught Christian principles, who before their 25th birthday are already having sex with your daughters, up to their eyeballs in porn, some even having their first sexual experiences with prostitutes, in boys who've come through this church. Why? Because what are they going to do for the next 10 years of their wasted lives? A whole decade and a half, 10, 15 years, where we expect them to do nothing. They don't have to get married. They don't have to do anything. Everybody's telling them, don't do it. And it destroys them. Is it over for them? No. But life is going to be a lot harder. Is that really what we want for our kids? 
The big mistake we're making today as Christians is we bought into the secular timeline, but think we can put our kids in it with Christian values, and it doesn't work. Oh, it does for some. Some of you pull it off. God bless you. I'm glad. Seriously. I would really much prefer you not go to prostitutes. I would be pro not going to prostitutes. They're failing at a high rate. Not just archers, all over America. Christians. E, not, not eHarmony, what's that Christian? ChristianMingle.com. Finding God's match for you. Did a survey. 86% of the Christian mingles. 86% of them think it's perfectly fine to have sex before they're married. AshleyMadison.com. You guys are familiar with this website? I hope you aren't. It's a website for people who want to have affairs. Married people go to the website so they can hook up with other married people to have sex. You read this to me last night. The top group, evangelical Christians. See, when Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, he says, I have no idea who you are. Because this poison gets into their blood and they struggle with it. I'm not trying to bum you out. It's Father's Day. (laughs) Peace, man, peace. But let's celebrate fatherhood. And ideally before they're 40. Let's encourage this. Marriage is a life-giving institution. The best thing for me is I got married at 18 years of age. Dear God, I'd have been out of control. I wasn't interested in prostitutes. I wasn't interested in porn. I wasn't interested. I was having a good time with the redhead over here. Hallelujah. (laughs) And we're still having a good time. Praise God. (laughs) Marriage is a life-giving institution. It gives you life and energy. It motivates a man. It helps him climb higher and reach further and stretch more. Why? I've got responsibilities. I got motivation. Money in and of itself is not the motivator. That's why your parents say, oh, you're going to make more money. It doesn't. That's why these moms are calling their son at, you know, in the morning. He's 28. You know, get up. It's time to go to work. They do this. They do this. They're moms. These guys should be grown moms. They should waking them up. Make sure you go to work. All right, let me wrap this up. (laughs) Go have fun before I get everybody depressed. (laughs) Let's celebrate life. Get on with it, boys. My advice to parents, stop thinking like pagans. We do not live like pagans. We do not have the values of pagans. And I'm telling you, the timeline that they have set for young men today is a disaster. You need to teach your boys to have a different mindset. You You find a girl, get on with your life, marry the girl, and have a great life. Well, what if they're still in college? Thank God. Every study, I'm talking actual studies, every study that's been done shows that married guys in school do better than the single ones. They're finally getting sex. They can think about something else for five minutes. (laughs) And parents, come on, you guys. 
get your boys to focus. 18 years of age, most guys today at 18 have no idea what they want to do with their lives. None. Zilch, zip, nada. You know whose fault that is? That's our fault. Get them to focus. Man, when I was in high school at 16, the counselors were getting in your face. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. Well, think about it. I don't think they have those conversations with kids anymore. Get them to focus. And then you send them to school. Some of y'all, because I've talked to you parents, you're sending them to night school, you're spending $30,000 a year to send your kid to a school and he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. And you do this for four years. Good Lord, give me the 30 grand. I'll spend a year with him. Yes, I will. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, I'll be more grateful than the university. I will. I'll be very grateful. I'll invite you to the house. We'll take you on the boat. We'll have a great time as I spend your money watching your kids still not make up his mind. So parents, come on, guys. We're people of faith. We have different values. How about we get back to thinking differently? Let's launch these boys and watch them. And I'll tell you what, as much as we struggle with this, our church is full of young men who've done exactly what I've taught. They're great young men. They're young men in their 20s, married, fathers, and I couldn't be prouder of these guys. And if you look at their lives, they are succeeding at a high level, way higher than their counterparts who are still single. My advice to you unmarried girls, for the love of heaven, don't feed the narcissism of men. Don't have sex with these guys. You're not growing them up doing that. You're searing their selfishness into them at a level you can't even begin to comprehend. And you girls, don't be dating these guys for years. <laughs> I don't know what you girls are thinking. You're 25, you start dating for a guy, three, four, five years. He finally dumps your butt, then you do it again. Now you're 30. And now you do it and on for three, four, five years. And he dumps your butt again. Now you're 35. Now you have a hard time getting a date. Do you know why? Because all the guys your age are dating the 20-year-olds again. <laughs> you girls get a clue. You date a guy, great. 12 months. If he does not stick an engagement ring on your finger by the end of 12 months, you dump his butt and move on. You girls just drive me crazy. <laughs> How long you been dating? Four years. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and my advice to young men, get on with it. Get on. What are you waiting for? You don't live nearly as long as you think you do. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. You're dead. Well, today we celebrate responsible men because today we celebrate fathers. Today, appreciate your father in the face of a world that demeans him, that taunts him, tempts him. I promise you, every man in here knows what I'm talking about. You are a responsible man and father, and everything around you is tempting you to be irresponsible, to go back to being like those young narcissists. And it's not that your husbands and your fathers are perfect. Very few of, of us are. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, take me out of that list. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We get tempted. All that stuff. But at the end of the day, we don't judge a man by how he feels or what he's tempted by. We judge a man by what he does. And today we celebrate your husbands and your fathers because they have cho chosen to do the honorable thing. They've chosen to stay with you and to be a father to their children. These are the men who should be praised and admired among our culture more than all men. He's chosen to do the right thing. And finally, to all you young men this morning, which are crawling in your seats, wishing I would shut up. <laughs> I give you the same admonition David gave to his son. Be strong and act like a man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth for these fabulous men who've done the right thing. God, that they would feel loved, appreciated, and celebrated on this day. And for the rest, that they would get on with it so that we can be the kind of men that will bring glory to God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a fabulous Father's Day.